The following is a continuation in our series looking at the Advent. We hope you enjoy. So, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 1. As I said earlier, we are doing something a little unorthodox. So last year we did start an Advent study and we only got two weeks in. We are jumping back into our Advent study that we started last year. So we're going to jump into the virgin birth tonight. So before I start, we are going to talk about things like the virgin birth and sex and impregnation. So I just want to get that out of the way. There's going to be some terms that you're probably going to chuckle at. It's okay. So we are going to talk about the virgin birth tonight. Okay. So let's pray and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this evening. We thank you for the miracle that it is that you sent your son to live on this earth and that he condescended to live amongst us and to live perfectly for us. We thank you for that. And we ask that as we study this tonight, that you would help us to understand the weight and gravity of the virgin birth. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. So one of the exciting things about being a parent is that you get to share the news of things going on with your children. If you're pregnant, you get to find fun ways to share that news with your family members. Perhaps you've seen videos of people on a video call with their parents, and all of a sudden they pull up a positive pregnancy test, and the soon-to-be grandparents go wild. Or perhaps the you know gender reveal parties were pretty popular for a while. Y'all got some of y'all got to come to Mikey's when before he was born, and that was a lot of fun. Or maybe on social media, you got like this standard little, you know, letter thing with the white letters that say baby triolo coming July 2023, whatever. And no, I was just kidding. That's not not actually happening. Okay. But there's this trend where people love to announce things. They love to announce to everyone, their loved ones, friends, family of something big that's coming. And that's exactly what we're going to look at tonight. We're going to look at this wonderful, big announcement. Tonight, we're going to look at something that's known as the Annunciation. And it's where the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and announces that she is going to give birth to the Messiah. This word comes from the Latin word that means announcement or declaration or message. I want you to imagine what it would have been like to receive this announcement. Okay? I know that's kind of hard for us to think about, but think about how would you have responded. It would have probably been a little bit exciting, but also terrifying at the same time. Okay, so here's what I want us to see tonight. The virgin birth announcement is the message of grace to all of us. The virgin birth announcement is the message of grace to all of us. So we're going to look at the first part of this verse. I'm going to invite Luke up to read Luke 1, 26 to 33. Thank you, Luke. All right, uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 33. says, um, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this must be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Alright, so we see right off the bat there, in the sixth month, 
the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So, so if you look back in the passage right before this, Elizabeth receives a similar announcement that she is going to give birth. And she's receiving the announcement about John the Baptist. So when it says in the sixth month, it's referring to the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. And her pregnancy was also a miraculous pregnancy. And here we see another one. The angel Gabriel visited Elizabeth to announce that John the Baptist would come and pave the way for Jesus. Now, I know this was a long time ago, but that's what we talked about last year when we left this study off. We talked about the messenger, John the Baptist, coming to pave the way. In Isaiah chapter 40, it talks about how someone would come and they would raise the valleys and lower the mountains, make the crooked path straight, that they were going to take out all the obstacles for people coming and hearing the message that the Messiah was on the way. And here, the Messiah is on the way. So we have this messenger coming and now we have this angel coming to tell Mary about this. Now, when we think of angels, what do we typically think of? We think of like the and like light shining and like the big white wings flapping in slow motion. And it's this this wonderful, comforting thing. But actually, when angels appear to people in the scriptures, it's a terrifying event. Uh, In fact, some people think they're about to die when they see an angel come to them. And here we can assume that Mary's probably a little bit troubled by this announcement. She's probably excited, but she's also probably very troubled. But whenever an angel does appear, in the scriptures, it always means that something big is about to happen. They always come to announce something in the life of the kingdom of God here on this earth. So Gabriel comes. His name means the strong man of God. He says in verse 19, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you. And this is when he's talking to Elizabeth. I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. So Gabriel has this amazing job of coming and pronouncing to Mary that the Messiah is finally going to come. So he visits with Mary. Now, Mary is a virgin. She's not yet married, which means she is not engaged in sexual activities with her fiancé, Joseph. So for her to be pregnant would be physically impossible at this point. This particular detail is one of the most important parts of the story. Okay, because she was betrothed to Joseph. And when you were betrothed to somebody, it was essentially like an engagement, except it was way more serious than we take engagements nowadays. So when you were engaged to somebody at that time, it was a commitment that could only be broken by an actual divorce. So like if you were engaged to somebody, you couldn't just get out of it without going through a divorce. It was a serious commitment. So for her to be in this betrothal period where obviously they weren't supposed to engage in such activities, okay, They didn't, and here she is pregnant. Now, can you imagine what everyone else would think at this point? Everybody would be very suspicious of what is going on. Okay, They would probably accuse them of things. Now, a couple other details here. Joseph was a descendant of David, and we're making a connection here that was a promise from the Old Testament that the Messiah would come through the line of David. 2 Samuel 7, 12-13 says this, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom and he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So as Mary is troubled by this visit, there's also this great encouragement that's given. And the ironic thing here is that the angel tells her what? 
do not be afraid. Okay? This terrifying creature appears before her, and the first words are, do not be afraid. Okay? That's pretty important to the story as well, because she had every right to be terrified at this. But the angel wants to bring this calming message to her, this wonderful message that she is the one that will give birth to the Messiah. Now, she has found favor with God. She will conceive this son. And again, this is impossible for her to be pregnant at this point, but she is. And his name would be Jesus, which means the Lord saves. Okay? The Messiah, the one who's coming, the Lord saves. Names in the Bible often reflect the character of the person that it describes. And here, this is the perfect name for Christ. The perfect name for the Messiah. Uh, he's called the Son of the Most High. John the Baptist was called to be the prophet of the Most High. Here, we have the Son of the Most High. John the Baptist was pointing towards Jesus here. He's the one that paved the way. John 5.15 tells us, This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Not only because he was breaking the Sabbath, but he was calling God his Father, making himself equal with God. So when Jesus comes and he starts talking about how God is his Father... That's what is so offensive to a lot of people. They think, why would anybody be as bold as to say that God is your father? They wouldn't even utter God's name because they held it in such high esteem. But here we have the son of God, the son of the most high. Okay, so all in all, Gabriel tells Mary that it will be a son. And I want to read this. J.C. Ryle wrote a commentary on this passage. He says, the true Christian should often dwell on the glorious promise and take comfort in its contents. He who has no cause to be ashamed of his master, poor and despised as he may be, often for the gospel's sake, he may feel assured that he is on the conquering side. The kingdoms of this world shall yet become the kingdoms of Christ. Yet in a little while he will come and he will not tarry, as Hebrews 10.37 tells us. For that blessed day, let us patiently wait and watch and pray for. Now is the time for carrying the cross and for the fellowship with Christ's sufferings. The day draws near when Christ shall take his great power and reign, when all who have served him faithfully shall exchange a cross for a crown. This is the reason why Jesus came. He came in order to give us life, so that we may no longer have to live in our shame and our sin, but rather he comes to bring us into right relationship. So there's another message here, and I want to invite Davy up to read 34 to 35 for us. So come on up, Davy. Thirty-four to forty-five. Yes, sir. And Mary said to the angel, "How will this be, since I am a virgin?" And the angel answered her, "The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God." And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who is called Aaron. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to the town of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb slept for joy. 
And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her. So Mary is obviously a little confused here. She speaks back to Gabriel and she says, well, this doesn't make sense. Okay, I have no reason to be pregnant. There's no way I could be pregnant. But Gabriel explains it's the Holy Spirit who's the one who's at work. In verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. One writer comments that we see the Spirit of God creatively hovering over the waters at the time of creation in Genesis. In this same connection, we see expressed poetically in the line from Psalm 104, the Spirit of God is life to abound. Overshadowing Spirit, therefore, not only protects, but also creates. It brings about conception in Mary's womb. So the Holy Spirit is the one who's at work. Verse 35, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. This is the language of overshadowing that we saw from Genesis when the Spirit was hovering over the waters. And the same language is used at the Transfiguration where Jesus is glowing on top of that mountain. It talks about how there's this cloud descending, overshadowing the mountain. And what does all this mean? First, it means that Mary's going to become pregnant without having sex. That's clear. Gabriel's not trying to mask anything. He's not trying to make things confusing. It's very clear that she is an actual virgin. Okay? And this is incredibly important because there is teaching out there that will tell you that something else happened. The Mormons think that God physically came down and impregnated Mary. They don't lead with that when they talk to you, but that's what they believe. It's not like Zeus coming down and getting people pregnant in Greek mythology. No, this is the Holy Spirit causing a miracle to happen in her womb. So the result of this is the Spirit's miraculous and mysterious work in the Gospel. There are things that are very clear, but there are things that we will never fully understand, and this is one of them. I think the Trinity is another one that we struggle to think about. We struggle to understand in its fullest. The mystery of the virgin birth is another one of those things that we just, it has to be a miracle. There's no other way that this could have happened. She can't accidentally get pregnant. You don't just stumble upon becoming pregnant, okay? There's things that have to be done in order for that to happen, and she did not do those things. Uh, The child will be fully human, without sin, perfect, and holy. And again, this is a complicated thing to understand, but J.C. Rowell also notes, in a religion which really comes down from heaven, there must be mysteries. Of such mysteries in Christianity... The incarnation, Jesus coming to this earth, that's a mystery of love. That's a mystery that's for our good. Many claim that the idea of the virgin birth is irrational and unscientific. Okay, Just as, I'm going to be bold enough to say this, just as unscientific as it is to say that biological men can become women, biological women can become men. As much as Netflix wants to tell you, I cannot become pregnant. There's a show about a man who's pregnant on Netflix right now, and I think it's preposterous and ridiculous. But our culture is is trying to blur these lines, and the scriptures are always pointing towards, just because we can't explain this doesn't mean that we don't need to believe it. This is the mystery of God, and he gives this to us for our good. Miracles are not meant to be rational. If we had a way to explain the virgin birth, it wouldn't be a miracle. If we had like a scientific reason why she got pregnant, then it wouldn't be a miracle. And then it would be less important for us to think about. Miracles like this are meant to show us the power of God and how amazing his work is. When we're driving, there's all sorts of markers that help us you know, keep aware of what's coming ahead. The virgin birth seeks to kind of point us towards what's coming, point us towards this amazing thing that's about to happen. It fulfills the scriptures from Isaiah 7:14 when we read, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. This would be this divine and unmistakable sign that he is here. 
He's been promised and He's coming. And it's going to happen soon. So Gabriel coming to Mary to make this announcement is essentially communicating everything that the Old Testament was pointing towards. Everything that God's people have been looking forward to. Now when he arrives, he's going to be a little different than what they were expecting. But he's on his way. So God makes us this promise and it came true. And the fact that it came true, looking back at Isaiah 7, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. You shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the fact that we can look at this promise, see that it came true, as we go into this Christmas season, and I know that we haven't even got to Thanksgiving yet. Okay, but as we enter into this Christmas season, that actually gives us something beautiful to reflect on and something to enjoy and something to look forward to when he uh, comes again to bring us into eternity with him. So let's pray. We're going to spend a little bit more time in small groups just unpacking the significance of the virgin birth. But before we do that, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this great mystery uh, in your scriptures. And we thank you that you had to be at work in this, Lord. It's not just something that happened, but it was something that you had brought about in your sovereign plan for this world. We just ask that as we reflect on this, that you would strengthen our love for you, strengthen our faith, We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an eye out for more audio upcoming from WIM.